set on fire and whatnot. So, it's not over. Now, that we're into almost a week of this. Don't know when it's going to end either. Um, There's a lot to talk about here. Oh, one, um, go on Twitter and look around a bit. There are, at least from Friday night, there are a lot of what look like you know, intentional provocation. Out there, and you have your protest marchers who are mostly, you know, trying to do things in decency and order. And you have some what I would call interlopers or provocateurs, maybe even, you know, undercover type of 
groups and I know that sounds kind of tinfoil heady but there are you know there are pictures and videos out there on Twitter of some instances people pointing out that hey um, they're not really with us hey um, we were just marching peacefully here and these dudes rolled up and started wrecking stuff cases they're just they're they're anarchists out there who are taking advantage of this situation to go out there and break some windows and light some stuff on fire and then once that happens you know they disappear but of course that now gives police you know, justification to turn it up, turn things up and break out the tear gas and rope bullets and all that stuff. Um, yeah, we'll say that if you look at these videos, look at these pictures, you need to rethink the whole why y'all tearing up your own neighborhood kind of stance because it doesn't look like that's what's happening here. It looks like the people who are actually protesting are not the ones starting with all the destruction. And there's even a video out there of um, some of the people who are going to protest essentially telling, you know, some of the other, you know, white folks there that look we can't be having y'all doing you know breaking windows and stuff while we're out here because you know you're going to do that you're going to leave and then we're going to be stuck still having to deal with all the crap including some new crap Ferguson, there, you know, there was some thought that the same type of thing was happening there. And in Baltimore, for that matter. Now, look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not saying it's some grand conspiracy by the government and all that. I'm just saying there are people who take advantage of these situations. And some of them are anarchists. Some of them might be in the police departments who want excuse to you know turn up the heat on people so with that we gotta be really careful when we start before we start throwing statements out there about people destroying their own neighborhood and that kind of thing um now, like I said before, that I don't encourage you know, rioting. Now, when riots, when they, the legitimate riot sounds like a weird thing to say, but 
Yeah, I mean, you can point a direct line from actual protesters being ignored to those protesters turning things up. And why well, I don't. Um, look, there was a time where I just looked down on anybody who did any of that kind of thing. Now, today, you know, I don't look down on people for doing that. But I don't encourage people to do that because, you know, they can just go, there are many different ways it can go bad for you as an individual. And I wouldn't feel right, you know, telling somebody to go do that and then they go do it and they get jammed up and I can't really do much other than donate a few dollars to the people who are helping get folks bailed out and all that. Right, I wouldn't feel right telling you or anyone else to go do it unless I could come down there and just bail you out myself. Or unless I was going to be out there with you. But that's me. Um, now, what I really wanted to get to here Excuse the yawning there, it's still early in the morning, but what's not being talked about here is, you know, root causes of all of this, and that's what we really need to talk about. I mean, mainly, the, you know, the police are in position, and the police, you know, engage in some of these tactics and are, you know, violent with us. Um, because there are some regular people who want them to be that way. All of this still comes down to people not wanting us in their space. You know, breathing the same oxygen, living in the same neighborhood, working at the same jobs. Playing the same sports. Don't want our kids going to school together. You know, don't want us shopping in the same stores, walking in the same parks. fails, they, they turn to the police to enforce their will. And that's how we end up here. Until we change that, then, you know, the cycle's going to continue. I mean, we can vote in some different elected officials in different offices. You know, we could really stand to use a better president and attorney general right now. But you know, 
particularly at a state and local level. <coughs> um, the police departments and the elected officials aren't just making stuff up out of whole cloth and thin air. Like they're acting on behalf of people who want them to act a certain way. Until we change that, then, you know, we're just kind of running in place, really. All right, I'm going to take a break and try to get my thoughts together a little bit more. Then we'll be back. All right, folks, um, back. Sorry for no music in between here. Um, like I said, this isn't your normal thing I do. Um, just talking as it comes to me here. And um, so this isn't going to be, you know, fully produced at all of that. Um, like I said, um, we get to the root cause here. The root cause is people not wanting us around. back to you know, post-Civil War Reconstruction and um, yeah, particularly the early 1900s um, you know, you, just a history lesson you had your big cities and People started migrating from the south out through the country. You know, some went to the Midwest, some went to the Northeast, some went west. And um, and you know, these migrations were met with segregation. Like intentional, deliberate segregation, not just hey, people like to live around their own. You know, um, do you want to know why? <laughs> you know, um, neighborhoods are so segregated even today. Well, it started. A hundred years ago, really. Um, first, you know, when we were migrating to bigger cities, we were flat out just refused in our efforts to buy homes or even rent in certain parts of the city. That's a big reason why, you know, we ended up in the parts of the, parts of the city we did, and all together. And after World War II, you know, that's when 
the suburbs began to be built. And I'm saying suburbs were constructed for you know, white Anglo Saxon Protestant folks to have somewhere to move so they could move out of the city because the cities had gotten too ethnic. And ethnic didn't just mean black people. Back then it meant um, anyone who was not, you know, white Anglo-Saxon. So there was, that was included Irish, Italians, uh, Jewish people, you know, blacks and Hispanics and Middle Eastern, Far Eastern. You know, the suburbs were built as a way for you know, wasps, you know, white, Anglo-Saxon, and Protestant to have somewhere to go. And, you know, they had exclusive rules about who could buy there. I mean, buy and buy houses. And they were sold to, a lot of them were sold to veterans, white veterans from World War II who were the first people to get, you know, FHA loans, which at the time were only given to white Anglo-Saxon Protestant people. So, you know, whole neighborhoods were carved out and built specifically for one group of people to move to to get away from the rest of us. And while, you know, that's not official policy anywhere now, it still happens today. You know, 70 years later. And just know that, like I said, it's not happening by itself. Right now, um, you know, in 2020, you, you still have you know, white people moving out of, you know, certain areas. Except now, it's not so much the city as it is what were the old suburbs. And now they're moving further out into the state or back into the cities. You know, and... It's still largely to get away from the rest of us. Now, the big difference now is that you know, white now includes a lot of groups that were once left out. So, you know, you're Irish and Italian and you know, other old European nationalities are now included. But the goal remains the same is to get away from the rest of us. And keep us out of there of these new neighbor places that are springing up, and you know, but they keep us out now or with you know jacking the price up real high so we can't afford it, or you know just whatever kind of you know rules and regulations they can. 
tweak so that you know certain conditions are in order that magically apply to people in our situations you know financially or whatever but the goal remains the same to have their own space that we don't get to penetrate so when you so when that space does get penetrated you know often the reflex action is to call the police police are called, it's not to politely make sure we're not doing anything wrong or whatever, it's to get us out of there and to do it in such a way that no one else wants to follow in our footsteps. And that's where, to me, that is the root cause. The root cause is still People not want us in the same space as them. Unless we're in some type of you know, subordinate or subservient position. And before you say not all white people, no, I'm not saying all white people. Okay. I'm talking about the ones who are specifically still perpetuating this stuff today. And you know, one of the kind of manifestations of that mentality is stop and frisk. Well, you know, stop and frisk was not cooked up in a, you know, police department laboratory somewhere. Stop and frisk became a thing because, again, it was a way of, it was a way of kind of marking the territory. And if you notice, if you look at the statistics, people who were stopped and frisked were, you know, 90% were like black or Hispanic. And which means like you put two and two together. Okay, it was a tactic employed largely against a certain group of people. And it was employed because some folks wanted to stop and frisked. It wasn't just because they wanted, <laughs> the police wanted to do it. So when we talk about these things, you know, you know, the police are both guilty and scapegoats at the same time. You know, they're, they're guilty for the actions they take, but they are acting on behalf of other people. And we do not talk about that. And that's what we need to talk about more. Otherwise, you know, no matter what happens here, whether the other three police get arrested, and even if we get convictions for all those guys and they go to jail for a long time, there still exists a desire for some people to keep us out of their space. And that, and that desire is going to continue to be enforced by the police. So stay, until we do something about that, we're just going to end up back in this place every few years. Or maybe every year. Who knows? Alright, so... Take another break here. 
Then I'm gonna move on to the next thing, which is gonna just dive into how this whole segregation thing happens or takes place. Get into some little nitty gritty here and just explain what I'm talking about. All right, I'm back and I promised I'd get into more nitty gritty here. Um, just as far as how all this, you know, segregation stuff is, you know, taking place. And I mentioned the suburbs, how they were created after World War II, after as a refuge, you know, for, you know, at the time were specifically white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, but, you know, <coughs> over time, that well, the definition of white has changed, basically. Now it includes, you know, Irish and Italian and, you know, um, anyone from Europe who can, you know, essentially pass um, in terms of their, you know, skin tone. Um, but, you know, same rules and same logic still apply, right? And now, you know, you have, you continue to have new, like, housing, you know, developments built. <coughs> and, you know, in the cities, you have, you know, super expensive apartments and condominiums being built. And it's all for the same purpose. It's for, you know, to get away from us. And now, you know, on the city end of it, the getting away from us often includes getting rid of us. You know, those of us who still live in those areas that are being rebuilt. And then, you know, we're catching it from both ends there, right? We're both being forced out and, you know, those of us who would like to come in and <laughs> can't. So we've been forced out and kept out. You know, while all this is going on, you still have, you know, hiring discrimination at jobs where, you know, we're still last hired, first fired. We're still, you know, denied positions. Even when we're, you know, way more qualified and have, you know, less crap on our records. Um, we're still denied loans. <coughs> even when we have better credit. But this still goes on now. And it's not simply because the you know, person doing the choosing doesn't like black people. It's there's a bigger agenda at, in mind, and that is to keep us out of certain spaces. <coughs> and you know that agenda has been pushed for decades and decades and decades, and. You know, one of the results is that you have a lot of, well, just as well, I would say, is concentrated and engineered poverty. 
right? Because so many of us are denied access, denied opportunity, the end result is that we end up poor. Because we just flat out aren't, you know, given the opportunities to make any money. And then, you know, you have situations like Ferguson, where you have a lot of poor black people living there, and yet the, you know, city budget, it still is like 25% dependent on writing people tickets for all types of things, and not, I don't mean like traffic tickets, I mean all types of crazy, you know, violations. I mean, they, <coughs> I mean, there was a, you know, Justice Department report about it, Ferguson police back when all the stuff, you know, went down with Mike Brown and all of that. And it, it explained it in detail that just the extremely low bar for giving people municipal citations and that how they you know it was used to generate money for the city and then also you know when the, the totals were coming kind of low for that year city officials would lean on the police to write more tickets And a lot of those were tickets for people who could not pay them. And they ended up in jail. And then because they couldn't pay right away, the you know, you have late fees and all other kinds of stuff and then things ballooned and <coughs> I understand like a a three hundred dollar ticket for, you know, jaywalking or something. You know, if you don't make much of anything to start with, I mean, that can handcuff you for years. And it limits you from being able to do anything. And if you miss time from work sitting in a jail cell because you got fined for jaywalking, and, bef you know, before you say, well... I mean, you know the law, um, <coughs> why don't you just follow it? Well, I mean, that's where the selective enforcement comes in. And there, I mean, there was evidence, not just in Ferguson, but also in New York City and much other places, that these, you know, citations and whatnot were disproportionately given out to black and Hispanic people. It was a choice to put that on us. <coughs> so, in essence, it's a choice to keep, to keep people locked in a certain place financially and to keep them from being able to get out of that and to move into different spaces. And yeah, you do end up with crime in a lot of those areas because 
you have people with no jobs and you have people with no money and you have people who are desperate. <coughs> and you know, what we could alleviate or at least help with, you know, more government assistance, we don't. situation we're in and it's all by choice it's by design so now you know, the police are the enforcers of that design and they're being encouraged to enforce that by other people. Again, they're not just going rogue here and making up their own rules. No. Well, let's not forget in New York City, you know, like I said, stop and frisk. Or the, uh, you know, we own the night philosophy that was there in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um... That was by design, and it was engineered by people who wanted to, quote-unquote, clean up the city. And clean up the city meant, you know, get us out of certain spaces. And the that mentality just extends to every part of life, which is how you end up with, you know, Christian Cooper being threatened with the police to have the police called on him because he did a very, you know, suburban kind of thing and told a lady she'd need to put her dog on a leash. But because, you know, he didn't belong, well, the lady felt like he didn't belong in her space telling her what to do. She immediately went to the call the police tactic. stories over the last couple of years of <coughs> the, you know, of us getting the police called on us for doing all sorts of just mundane things like barbecuing outside or you know being in a restaurant <laughs> other things again regular mundane things that people do every day but when we do them around certain people we get the police called on us because they don't want us in their space unless it's to serve them and there's a whole you know get them out of here mentality which is passed down to law enforcement and totally affects how they act towards us and ultimately becomes the strategy for how to act towards us. So if things are going to change, that has to change. It can't go on like this. 
if you're really upset about things, you really want them to change, then that order has to change. And understand that people, the main people who are pushing this kind of order, they don't really care about you either. Trust me, when, <laughs> you know, if they ever succeed in completely putting us in the place they want us to put us in, they'll move on to you. Because they don't want some of you there either. So for no other reason than self-preservation, you need to think about that. As long as there's some of us that need to be corralled, then yeah, you know, we'll get the bulk of the attention. But if they ever succeed, then they'll move on to the next group of people they don't want around either. And that probably includes you. <laughs> so don't think that you're safe. Don't think that you can just sit on the sidelines and hope it just gets better on its own. You, know, you need to get in the game here. Because ultimately, you won't win either. All right, um, back again. So, <coughs> you know, if you listen to everything I'm saying here and you're kind of at a loss for what to do, well, let me think of it like this. This stuff is not going to end unless some of y'all do something about the way things are kept in order or attempted to be kept in order now. Yeah, I've mentioned before about you know who gets voted into office and how it matters, it does. But after the election's over, you know, you have to put pressure on these officials the same way that other people do. <clears throat> um, if you believe that certain police tactics are wrong and shouldn't be used, then you gotta call the DA's office or contact them or whatever. Contact your local and state elected officials. And you gotta put the same heat on them that other people are because <coughs> they're hearing every day from people who want things to be kept the way they are so that people like me can be kept out of certain spaces. If you think that's wrong, then you gotta put pressure on them also change that you gotta do it at your jobs if you go to work and there's nothing but white people there that's not by accident okay it's either done deliberately or it's done by omission if you're thinking about that then <coughs> Thank you.
but maybe you need to try and get in a position where you can do something about that. Or if you can have any kind of influence over the process of bringing people in, then you need to use it. In your neighborhoods, if you know, if you have neighbors who are, you know, display, you know, tendencies to be racist assholes, then you need to offer up another viewpoint. Because otherwise, you know, the loudest voice will dominate conversation, and the loudest voice will drive whatever is you know, written and enacted as policy. You know, if, you know, you have a, you know, segregated school system where you live, you need to challenge that. You need to ask why that is. And, you know, demand better. You know, everything from, you know, job applications to bank loans. Like, you have to, you, y'all, white people, are going to have to challenge that and question that. And challenge how kids are disciplined at school. You know, see if at your kid's school, if the black kids are disciplined at a more intense level than the white kids. Which is, I mean, another thing that's going on, you know, stuff that things that'll get a white kid sent to the principal's office will get the police call on black kid in a lot of schools. All right, that has to be challenged and not just by us. Y'all got to challenge that too. You know, wherever you have an opportunity to add your voice, against discrimination, against prejudice, and against racism, then if you want things to get better, then you have to add it. It's not going to fix itself, and there's nothing more we can do to appeal to people to fix it. Now, those of you who are concerned about this, those of you who are inclined to do something about it, well, now you've got to do something about it, or else we're going to keep coming back to this. Well, it's every few years now, but it'll probably soon be every year. So, you know, I keep saying balls in your court. White people, ball is in your court. Okay, you have to say something or do something at all different points in which you may have been some type of influence or some type of pull or an opportunity to make something change. You gotta 
Y'all got to do it. And I'll be blunt here. Some of y'all mean well. Some of y'all don't necessarily hate us. But you walk around with the same kind of worried all the time mentality whenever you see one of us show up. And you're going to need to fix that about yourself. Look, like I said, we've done all we can. Okay. We really have. I mean, and there's nothing else we can do. So if, if you want things to get better, if you don't want to see us back out here again and again and again, then now's the time for you to step in and jump up and do something about it. And with that, I think I'm done. Um, oh, actually, you know what? I'll reiterate what I said in the regular episode. Lay off the celebrity worship, folks. I mean, look, it's it's really cool when they do come in and show up and help. But this is not this should not be a thing where we're keeping score about whose favorite people, you know showed up and said something or did something and whose favorite people didn't. Okay. Because quite frankly, what you do in front of a camera. Um, I mean it's great and all, but again we're not here to keep score. I'm not here to keep score. You know, if my favorite performer was out there and, and yours wasn't, it doesn't make me a better fan than you. It doesn't make me a smarter fan than you. It doesn't mean that, you know, my fandom is done the right way. It really doesn't. And, okay, I think that's it now. All right. Be better fans. And don't use stuff like this as an opportunity to, you know, lord your choices as a fan over other people's as if, you know, you're tapping into some greater wisdom on who to root for. I mean, no, you're not. Okay, you're not. Um, and now that's it. Um, yeah, special thank you to everyone who is out there fighting for more rights and better rights and better treatment for us. Um, thank you. Um, and if you're going to go out to a march in your town or your city, Please be as safe as you possibly can. Um, yeah, and that's, that's it. That's it for this little special thing. 
and I will talk to you guys again next week, you know, if not, you know, on my website or on Twitter. All right, so take care, and God bless you guys. Okay, uh, actually, I lied. I'm not done. <laughs> All right, well, if you want to know, like, well, what can you do? What do you need to do? Um, basically, look, you need to, wherever you live, you need to find out everything from, you know, zoning laws to how school districts are drawn up, how, how kids are disciplined at school, how the local or state government is you know, negotiating with the police unions. Um, you know, learn how much of your town or county or state, how dependent they are on things like tickets. You know, if you get your hands on the you know, racial breakdowns as far as, you know, tickets and arrests and things like that. Right? And you need to look at all of that. You look at the hiring practices where you work. Um, you, know, you need to, you know, look into the city or county budget where you live. See where resources are being allocated. You now, if you're at any point thinking about moving, then if you're adventurous enough, move somewhere where you can make a difference just by living there. and then get involved. You know, when there are public meetings for, you know, local government, go and speak up. You know, speak up on behalf of those who aren't listened to, which are us. Um, you know, write to your local officials and state officials you know, if you, you know, if you're not up for, you know, physically going to a meeting and talking there, which, and it's kind of a lot harder to do that now, anyway, then write them, email them, call them. Okay, find out how things work, where you live, find out the racial disparities, and then challenge them. We need you to do that. And we need you to not be so quick to call the police on us. I mean, you can, you know, take precautions for your own personal safety without resorting to that on a moment's notice. Or, or you know, the least bit of you know, provocation, 
Right, stop doing that if you're doing it. You know, if you're in a restaurant and some of us are in there and we're getting a little loud, if that makes you nervous, then you need to go look in the mirror. And just admit that to yourself first and then go about trying to fix it. If you know, so yeah, you gotta look inside yourself too, because you might be guilty of some of this stuff. And you, know, you don't need to confess to me or anybody else, just fix it, damn it. You know. And you know, help your fellow man and your fellow you know human being help the people who are being you know just ground into powder by this system you know there are ways you can help that don't involve you know jumping to the front of a pack of a what's supposed to be a peaceful protest and breaking a window all right um, there are ways to help that don't involve you know, getting in fist fights or something, right? I mean, just take an interest in the way we are being treated, both, you know, on one end by law enforcement, but also on the other end by, you know, your fellow civilians who are the ones that ultimately you know, enable or encourage law enforcement to act a certain way. You got work to do now. And or else this is cycle is just gonna keep repeating itself. Because you know, we're fed up and we're not just going to sweep that under the rug now. It's not going away. So you can help it not be as big of a problem or you can do nothing and hope for the best. And like I said before, you know, the people who are really driving this stuff, they don't care about you either. Don't make don't make the mistake of some thinking that you're somehow saving yourself because you know, like I said earlier, if they ever succeed in putting us in the place they want to put us in, they'll they'll come for you next. Okay, now I'm done. Now, now I'm done. Um Next episode, we'll be back to the regular routine. Um, but this one, you know, I just had to throw out there for you now. And until um, next time, take care of yourselves and God bless you guys.